you'll notice that editors move around all the time. And if you maintain that connection, you will have a new connection at each place they go. Hey, Girl Gazers, it's your favorite career queen, Taylor. Welcome to season three of Girl Gaze Pod. We're switching it up this season, so on Wednesdays, we Girl Gaze. Girl Gaze Pod is for 20-something aspiring career queens by 20-something career queens. Whether we're girl gazing over a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, we're focusing on two types of journeys this season career journeys and self-love journeys. I will say though, today we're girl gazing over a glass of wine, much needed glass of wine. (laughs) So the journey we are about to embark on is Ruby Budmeyer. Ruby is currently a beauty editor at Cosmopolitan Magazine and is absolutely killing it. Before we get into today's episode, if you enjoy this episode, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a written review on Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories and tag us. Also, just a reminder to make sure you're joining our LinkedIn group called Career Queens from Girl Gaze Pod. If you can't find it on LinkedIn, just click the link in my bio on Instagram and join this community. It's supposed to be a safe space to ask any and all career-related questions and to share all of your accomplishments. Why don't you kick us off with a little introduction? Hi, um, thanks for having me. I am Ruby, I'm 25, um, and I'm the beauty editor at Cosmo. Yay, I'm so happy to have you on. Um, We actually have been following each other on Instagram for a little while now. (laughs) So we actually don't know know each other, but we kind of know each other just through other people in the industry. Totally. Because the industry is so small. I know. I feel like everyone just knows everyone, you know? Exactly. Just- <laughs> exactly. So before we get into today's episode, let's start with a gaze of the week, which is just a recent reflection, realization, or experience you'd like to share. Cool. So I would say mine has been that work from home is hard. Like I've had a hard time with it this week and that's my reflection. I feel like it's just been one of those weeks where like I snoozed my alarm Monday through Friday. And I think my reflection was that that's okay that I did that versus trying to like beat myself up about it and like just trying to listen to my body and I needed the extra sleep. And sometimes it's just a little bit hard to like be working from your home all the time, especially when you're in New York and you're working from a small apartment. So just trying to be more kind to myself and like as I adjust to like this new reality of where we're working. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I feel like we also need to give ourselves more credit, right? We're young. You are literally an editor. Like, it's not like you're an assistant editor. You are an editor. (laughs) You have real responsibilities. (laughs) Like, your to-do list is never ending. And at the end of the day, you're trying your best. And if one week, you know, you have an off week, But I will say, I do think Mercury was in retrograde these past two weeks because I also had a rough week. Yeah, (laughs) my friend, (laughs) actually. But um, I love that gaze because it really is important to listen to your body and also just like for your sanity. Like last week, I ended up doing some work 
from my bed, which I don't normally do, but I was like, I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like video off yeah. in bed, real housewives muted. <laughs> <laughs> I have definitely had those days too. So I get it. <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for being so truthful yeah. about that. It's all about um, so my gaze is about something that happened this week and it's not necessarily a reflection that has to do with my workflow, but it's kind of a piece of advice for the listeners. So this girl who I went to college with reached out to me and asked, you know, for if there are any job opportunities at my new job. I'm currently working at a creative agency and we are launching a blog for one of our fashion clients. Mm -hmm. And I really needed help with writing stories because to be honest, I just didn't have the bandwidth. That's a new, that's also a new term that I learned with my job right now, right? Because <laughs> I don't have the bandwidth for that. <laughs> Literally. So I told my boss and she was like, let's hire someone. So we hired this girl and I vouched for her and she came on and honestly, she did not do a great job. Mm. I, I extended a hand and I vouched for her and I gave her an opportunity and she did not show up 300%. And I think the lesson there is that if you're new to an industry, if you just graduated and if someone, you know, refers you or helps you land a job, you have to work so hard, no matter how much money you're paid, mm-hmm. no matter like if you're getting credit or not, right? Because it's all about maintaining those relationships with those people. And now to be honest with you, she ruined that relationship with me and I probably would not refer her to any job again. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So let's, let's hop into the episode. How, how are you doing? How was quarantine? I feel like now if I ask people, how's quarantine, it's a little weird because it was all the way back in March. Right. Are we still in it? Yeah. Literally. (laughs) How was quarantine? Like, how was that transition for you going back, going to work from home? Yeah. Um, so we've been remote, um, since March, like most people. And I I mean, like, kind of like what I said earlier, like I go through weeks or days where I'm really in a groove with work from home. And then other days, I just kind of wish I was in the office. Um, I live alone. So that has been a blessing, but also a curse because, you know, I am alone pretty much all day lately, um, which is great. So like, I don't really have like five roommates, like distracting me from my work, which like, if you're writing all day, you really need that. Um, but I miss like interacting with my coworkers, um, especially in beauty and especially my team at Cosmo. We really like feed off of each other, like ideas wise. And like some of our best stories and our best content has just been from a conversation that we had in the office, like over a product or, you know, a new treatment. And now it's like we have these kind of like forced brainstorm times and like they're over zoom and it's just different so Uh, in a minute i'm still adjusting (laughs) collaboration over zoom is a lot harder yes i feel like it's a little less natural and i'm also someone who thrives off of collaboration especially now like i'm in a new role well not new new but in april i like left the new york post and i'm now at a different job and so my, my whole job is creative and I okay. wish I was in an office with, I would literally also work with people who I have never met before. In okay. <laughs> like how wild is that? Oh my gosh. I she has the, the new beauty editor. I've never met my boss, which is very bizarre. 
Yeah, that's that's crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay, we'll we'll get into that with like Carly leaving and how it's crazy to like go from working to one boss to another boss because that's also a challenge in of itself. Yeah. Like get used to one boss and you like can read their mind already to another yeah. one who has like another vision. Oh my god, we have so much to talk about. I'm very excited. <laughs> Lots to cover. Before we embark on your career journey, I would love to know about the most recent or the most rewarding project you've worked on from home. I'd say the coolest thing I've worked on from home was getting to assist our um, new beauty director, Julie, on the beauty direction for our Barbie Ferreira cover. Um, I was able to assist like via Zoom, which was a very weird and very like I feel like it's very like current to the times like that. Oh, totally. Now. <laughs> um, but it was cool because, you know, had there, had it not been virtual, I probably wouldn't have had that opportunity. Mm. Um, and it was, it was just a really cool learning experience. And I feel like in my job, I, I do a lot of the same every day and it's really nice to kind of just break it up with like these, these things that I've never done before. And like, I, I like to learn and I like to grow in that way. So like being able to do new things is just like really rewarding for me. So yeah. what was that process like? Yeah. So this is very much like the beauty director's job. Like this is their thing. So I reached out to Julie and I was like, Hey, I'm a huge fan of Barbie. I think her beauty style is so cool. I would love to just kind of, you know, shadow you or help you or whatever I can do to get involved with this. Um, and she is like a really great mentor in that way. And like was very into me helping her. Um, so I got to just kind of work closely with her and just talk about what we wanted to see Barbie wearing. And it was like a cool experience, just that alone to be able to see like how her brain works in that because she's been doing this for so long. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was very much like, you know, going through Instagram runways, just kind of like seeing what was cool, what was new, and like also what felt like Barbie. And on top of it, what feels like Cosmo. After everything was approved, basically the Zoom was set up so we had a live feed of the photographer's camera. So every shot he would do would like come up on the Zoom, like kind of like rapid fire. And then we had someone on set who was responsible for like coordinating with Barbie, the talent, you know, the, the hairstylist and the photographer and then us. So he was the most impressive part of the whole operation to me. Like he had a little headset and was just like, so (laughs) professional. Um, so every time a shot came through and, you know, I'm the beauty editor, I'm not the beauty director. So I kind of took it as like, I'm here to watch. I'll step in if it's asked of me, but I'm not there to like, blow it up with like all of my opinions, you know, just especially in that situation, like the looks had already been confirmed, you know, I really wanted to like watch how it went down. Um, that said, there were a couple moments where like they asked me directly, like, Oh, like, what do you think of this hair? Like she tweaked it a little bit. Are we okay with that? And that was just kind of like a, I had to just think on the fly and just kind of like go with my gut. Um, cause you don't really have time to like, you know, ask your coworkers or ask, you know, ask around what you're supposed to say. Like, you're just supposed to do it, answer it, get it done. How do you um, feel in that moment? Did, were you able to, you know, act yeah. on your feet? Yeah. I think like my strategy was just to kind of like keep bringing it back to the mood board. Like, Oh, I like her hair down like that. But you know, the approved look was X, Y, Z. Let's try to bring it back to that. Mm. Um, but it cool. was, yeah, it was just like a really 
interesting experience. Um, and like I said, it was it was cool for me to watch how the directors, like especially like our fashion director, is just so good at that. Like it's such a skill that takes so long to just nail down. And then to be able to take that and be able to do it over Zoom and like you're looking at like a little feed from a photographer's camera, like it's just really impressive. Yeah. Um, it's and- crazy how everyone has been able to pivot that you literally, how many covers have you has Cosmo produced in total from home? I want to say like four or five. That's crazy. And that was probably in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was honestly one of the biggest fears with like quarantine. We were like, are we going to be able to do this from home? And the clothes? Like how are you supposed to make sure that the clothes from Chanel or wherever make it to set when there's not a real fashion assistant on there? Sometimes they don't. Like, there were mistakes on that shoot. Like, things were very much out of a lot of people's control, and you kind of just had to, like, go with it. Um, We also, the shoot was on the beach in L.A. at sunset, which was beautiful, but also we were, like, working against the sun (laughs) the whole time. Um, So it was, like, a little bit, like, high strung, and it went late. I felt like I was, like, on it for, like, four or five hours. Um, but it was great. I mean, I, again, like, I don't think I would have had this opportunity if we weren't in this situation. Yeah. And that's kind of been one of the silver linings for me. I feel like I've got to experience some parts of the industry that, you know, I wouldn't have otherwise. I got the chills. I am so happy for you, <laughs> genuinely. And, and also another reason why you got this opportunity is because you asked for it. You know, I just wanted to put it out there and I'm glad that I did. And especially in this industry, like you have to communicate what you want career wise and you have to communicate like things that you want to learn. No one's just going to come to you and offer to do it. Unfortunately, like I wish they did, but everyone's busy. No one has time for that. (laughs) So if you're lucky, you will get, you know, um, managers who are willing to teach you things. But a lot of the times you do have to like tell them that you're interested in it. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. And not be scared too. Exactly. So let's jump back. We're going to get back to Cosmo, but I just (laughs) wanted to give a little like snippet of that because I genuinely was very curious. Let's jump back to where it all started though. So where did you go to college and what did you study? So I went to Fordham on the Upper West Side, but I'm from California originally and I just knew I wanted to be in New York. Um, wow. So was, okay. Wait, time out. How did you know that you wanted to move to New York? That's like a big move. <laughs> I have known since I was five years old and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> My parents are both from New York. Um, so even though I was raised in California, we came out here all the time to see family. And I was just like, this is my place. This is where I'm going to be. And yeah, like you guys can deal with it. I'm going. (laughs) Yeah. So by the time that I got to Fordham, I feel like I was just ready. And that's not to say that it was easy. Like, you know, moving from California to New York or anywhere from New York is such a transition. Yeah. Um, And it's hard sometimes. But that said, I loved it. I had a great experience at Fordham. I was an English major. We have a journalism program, but I, after like speaking to some of the English professors at Fordham, I felt like I wanted to come out of there with like really good writing skills. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that's what I got. That's awesome. So did you do anything during your time there that helped you apply your writing skills that you learned in your classes to a product? Yes. Um, So there were um, two campus publications that I worked on. 
The first one was our newspaper. I was the features editor for, I think, two years or maybe like a year and a half. It's all a blur at this point. <laughs> I'm like, it wasn't that long ago, but I don't remember. <laughs> um, and then I also was the editor-in-chief of our fashion magazine, which is called Flash. I started as the fashion editor for two years and then um, my last year at Fordham, I was the editor-in-chief. It was like a really, really inspiring group of people, like writers, editors, illustrators, just really talented and really excited people. Yeah. Um, so I felt like I had kind of like found my little like group, which was great. Um, it also was just like a really good practice in like managing people. Was there one specific thing that maybe you learned or a skill that you developed from this campus magazine that helped you prepare for your current job? Yeah. Um, so I would say learning how to take an idea and turn it into something physical. I mean, with us, it was digital, but still like, you know, taking something from like literally like writing ideas down on sticky notes in the cafeteria during our meetings to like actually like pulling off legit photo shoots ourselves with no budget. That's really hard. And I mean, it takes like a really good, really driven team to be able to do that. Um, but I think like seeing something from like idea to finish was really important to what I do now. I agree. That was, I also learned that as well. There's a yeah. siren. I'm sorry. I don't know. No if you that. <laughs> that, that's a great takeaway though. Um, yeah. Being able to truly see something all the way through. Yeah. And also having to be scrappy, right? Like you, you had, we had photo fashion photo shoots as I'm sure you did. We don't have a, the connections to, to, you know, pull clothes from a designer. We had so, zero dollars. <laughs> literally. We were like borrowing clothes from our friends, like having the models like dress themselves, styling them when they got there. Like it was like a full production with no money and no like guidance, which I mean, I don't know if the magazine has changed at Fordham, but at the time there wasn't, it wasn't like an official club. So we didn't have like advisors. We didn't have alumni. Like it was really just us, which was honestly, it it worked out. I feel like I learned a lot. It did work out. And listen, like we had an advisor at Syracuse, but it was all student run. And I think it really teaches you to just get shit done. Like if you don't know how to do something, you fucking Google that. Or if you don't know how to do something like, it, it also allows you to know like how to collaborate with a team and yes. and like really understand who brings what to the table. Absolutely. Like the collaboration part is really important too. Like that's another big takeaway for me, being able to work with people, you know, like you can like be a great writer, editor, like have all these skills, but if you cannot work with other people, like your career is going to be hard. Exactly. So- these are great takeaways. This is a fabulous episode. Ruby. I just talked about takeaways. <laughs> okay, so now we, we spoke about your amazing work uh, at this magazine during college. So how'd you go from that to internships? Walk me through your internship experience. Yeah. So I did all of it at the same time. Um, when I got to Fordham, I, I was under the impression that I was getting an internship like my first semester. I was like, this is just how it's going to happen. Um, and I did, but it was like, it wasn't a real internship and it was like working at like this, like designer studio who like, it was, I don't, (laughs) we don't like to talk about it. (laughs) It didn't really work out. 
It's crazy because a lot of people, like I've been doing TikTok lives recently. And so a lot of my followers are young, like they're going to be a freshman in college and they're all, all like, Oh, I'm moving to New York and I want to get an internship. I'm going to be a freshman. I'm like, girl, (laughs) it's not how it works. Like, I'm sorry, but no one really wants you to be their intern when you're a freshman and you don't, you haven't had any like real experience yet and I know that's tricky because you get an internship to gain experience but there is a fine line um so I think when I was a sophomore I really committed to like getting an editorial internship I knew that's what I wanted um I applied to every single magazine and website I could think of and didn't get like one email back which you know at the time was completely and utterly crushing but looking back on it. I'm like, of course they didn't email me back. I have nothing on my resume. And like, it's, you can't expect to just go into a place like Cosmo right when you're new. You just, I mean, maybe if you know someone, maybe, but usually no. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I went on, I think it's still around a website called ed 2010. Oh yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. I, I was <laughs> every day. I would just apply to everything on it. Um, and I got an interview at um, Stylecaster, the website. Amazing. And I, before I even like went to the interview, I had never even read Stylecaster. Um, so I kind of like, even though now that I've worked there, like I understand it's like a very legit place. I think at the time I was like, oh, well, like, I, like I'd rather be at like a Marie Claire or Cosmo, but like, I guess I'll go for this internship, which... In hindsight, like, that's exactly what I should have been going for all along. Like, starting with these, like, smaller brands that maybe don't have as much name recognition, but would give someone newer a chance. Yep. Um, So prior to the interview, I, like, became, like, the, like, I knew everything. Number one reader. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, So I showed up, and um, I... (laughs) I, the woman who interviewed me, her name is Chloe Metzger, who ended up being my mentor. And I now work with her at Cosmo still. Like she's just been like a very important part of my life, but she interviewed me and she likes to remind me constantly that I showed up with like a book with all of my printed out newspaper clippings from Fordham. (laughs) And it was just really cute, which I thought I was very professional and like just determined and she was like oh my god like this is sweet (laughs) Um, long story short got the internship um and it ended up being like the most important internship I've I ever had why do you say that Chloe took me completely under her wing did you scout that out or did it kind of just happen it slowly happened like she I think it took like a few weeks or even a couple months of me showing that I could do like the admin work, the email work, the busy work, like the things that you really hire. Putting in 300%, like we said at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Showing up early, never missing a day, like being very excited. And, you know, it was completely unpaid. I don't think I got credit for it. Like, I didn't care. I just really wanted to be there. Um, And she noticed that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, they needed extra help during awards coverage. And they were just like really strapped for people. And Chloe was like, Ruby can do it. Like, I I really think she can. Um, So she started training me a few weeks before just to kind of like get used to the Stylecaster voice and like start writing in their CMS and just kind of getting comfortable with it. Um, And I think during that time, we just like got closer and she saw how much I wanted it. 
Um, and she is just a really incredible writer and editor. And she was like my first intro to beauty. I mean, she was the beauty editor at Stylecaster. And before that, I didn't know that beauty was more than just like writing about lipstick or, you know, blush or whatever. It's very much like intense writing. You have to know exactly what you're talking about. You have to inter interview dermatologists, makeup artists, like a lot goes into it. And seeing her do it made me feel like I want to do this. Like, this is awesome. Um, and yeah, I ended up, I, I did well with awards show coverage. Um, I ended up writing constantly like that kind of like became like what I was there for. Right. Um, and then I, I really stuck around for a while. <laughs> I was That's great though that, that they extended. Yeah. They extended you, it. Even as you were still a student and yeah. a freelance during school, it's fabulous. Yeah. And then they, um, they asked me to like start hiring the other interns and like being in charge of like the whole like internship program, which was awesome. Um, and then <laughs> Chloe <laughs> left and went to Marie Claire as their beauty editor. Um, and when she left, they needed like a interim person to be the beauty editor. And they like low key gave me the job. <laughs> um, so guys, I was, guys, Yes. <laughs> you, if you, if like literally just pause for a second, if you want to move up in the industry quickly, you can, you just need to put in a hundred percent. You need to show that you're eager. You need to show up and you need to be extremely passionate. People will notice. And obviously Chloe noticed and saw a lot of potential in you and gave you a hand with, with covering, uh, the red carpet mm -hmm. and, and covering the red carpet just exploded everything for you. Exactly. And just like really caring and really wanting to do a good job and really taking my time with it. Like I remember like before I would like write like a, a really quick like market story about like face wash. I would like spend all night reading it over before I sent anything to her. Oh, literally. I remember when I would first, when I was first writing for the New York Post, like I would spend hours over time Oh yeah. Rereading everything, like looking at Refinery29 or like looking at who, what, where and trying to see, oh, like, oh, I love this adjective. I'm going to change that one out, making sure that I didn't have like two sentences with the same syntax in the same exactly. paragraph. Totally. A lot. Oh girl, I feel you. And I will say, even though I did that, Chloe would still send me back stories with like intense edits. And the reason she did it was to teach me. And I think that's, again, like what we were talking about earlier, like being able to like have thick skin and be like, this isn't a reflection of like me as a person. This doesn't mean I'm a bad writer, but like, here's where I can improve and here's where I'm going to improve. Um, and taking constructively, right? Exactly. I mean, you've gotten to where you are today because you've taken that feedback, internalized it, yes. and now you didn't make those mistakes again. It's made you a better writer. Exactly. Every note she gave me, I would write down and I would have like a, a notebook of her notes. And every time I went to do a new story, I would go through like a checklist to make sure I wasn't, you know, hitting those same mistakes that she highlighted to me. Literally <laughs> like round of a freaking pause. Because <laughs> that, that's amazing because I'll tell you this, the girl who I referred to write blog posts for this did not do that right. at all. And, and no editor wants to give you the same edit twice ever. Mm -hmm. It just, it's basically saying like that they're not listening to you. And like, 
it takes a lot of time for an editor to go through a story and instead of just fixing it, to give you feedback and to give you notes. If someone's like gonna do that for you, you really have to like take that feedback and like use it and not it's do a the gift. same. It's a literal gift wrapped in a bow. It really is. It's so, so important. I mean, I even remember at the post, like I wouldn't necessarily get my edits handed back to me because it would be, the edits would be made directly in WordPress is what is the, um, is the backend that we worked on. And so I would literally have my story in a Word doc with their edits in the Word, in WordPress and then compare (laughs) what they changed to really understand so that I wouldn't make the mistake again. Yeah. No, that's just such an important skill and it's only going to help you. It's tedious and it's, it's hard to look at your work that's been changed, especially if you like spent all this time on it. But that's like the nature of editorial. Like mm-hmm. it's going to get. Exactly. So what was the most challenging part about going from, uh, what, what was your position? An assistant to then you became the interim beauty editor? So I was just the beauty intern oh. and Yes, that was like my title. And then over the summer, they promoted me to beauty writer. And that's when I started getting paid, which was Mm -hmm. excellent. And then I remained beauty writer. That was still my title. But I was responsible for the entire beauty vertical, which I learned so much from. But I will say it it was hard. It was really hard. It's a lot of pressure on someone who is still in college and still learning. Like I said, learned a lot from it, would not trade it for anything, but it was not this glamorous thing at all. It was hard work. I was getting to the office at like 8 a.m. and like spending hours just, I was anxious all the time, pretty much. I think it was just like a lot of responsibility, but the most important thing is like I did it, you know, and I, I know that I did a good job. And I think by the time I was ready to leave Stylecaster, I felt like, really confident in the work that I had done there. Yeah. And you had squeezed out everything that you could possibly learned. Yeah. And I also was kind of in a position where I was like, okay, I could stay at Stylecaster. I could stay here throughout all of college, keep doing this, or I could get some new internships under my belt. They may not be, you know, I may not be running the beauty vertical, (laughs) but I'm meeting new people. I'm meeting new editors and getting my name out there at different sites, which I'm so glad I did. Um, Also, that was advice that I I took from like many editors. I feel like that was another thing I got out of Stylecaster. I got so many great mentors. Every editor I worked with there was just so, I was just so lucky. It was a really, really excellent group of women. That's amazing. Because that's not always the case. It is not. It is not. And I, I, I definitely learned that after I left there, but I'm glad that I left. I'm, it, you know, it all worked out exactly as yeah. it needed to. So where'd you go after you left? I went to Birdie and I was just like their beauty intern. So I was mostly doing search engine optimization content, which is basically like stories and keywords that people are going to Google. So a lot of like market work, roundups. I feel like I kind of like fell more into like skincare there. So where'd you go from there? So from there, I went to Covator. Okay. Um, and I was the editorial production intern. It was very much working in their CMS and in the back end. Oh, um, got you. It, yes. It wasn't super creative. It wasn't really editorial. But I kind of was at this point in like my college experience where I was like, 
I need to try another thing just in case this isn't what I want to be doing. I didn't want to just kind of like pigeonhole myself into beauty when I was like 20, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I also like had read Covetor for like, you know, since I was like in high school. So I think I just really wanted to work there. So you went from there to Marie Claire. So while I was doing all of those internships, I also was freelance writing on the side. Um, and that was honestly... How do you find time to sleep? I <laughs> I had a lot of energy back then. <laughs> I'm a little washed up now. <laughs> um, but while I was at Stylecaster, um, I mean, my name was constantly on the site. So I think some of the other beauty editors at other publications were like, oh, like, who is this, who is this writer? Mm-hmm. And um, I was able to connect with editors at Fashionista and Cosmo and Marie Claire when Chloe went over there. Um, and that also was a cool thing that I realized. Like when you make a connection at an internship, you'll notice that editors move around all the time. And if you maintain that connection, you will have a new connection at each place they go. Yep. So how did you maintain that connection with Chloe? What did you do in the interim when you weren't working with her anymore? Um, I mean, you know, emailing her, just kind of like checking in. Um, I, I also was lucky that I could go to her for advice a lot. Um, so I felt comfortable reaching out to her for like career advice. And she, she like had my back. Like she knew the jobs I was looking for. Like she very much helped me massively. Yeah. And I think that's like a good lesson too. In like, you know, you may not have connections through like friends or family or, you know, connections aren't given to you, but if you make these connections for yourself, you can really benefit from them. But the thing is, you can't make the connection and have the um, and have your main goal being like, okay, I want to connect with this person so that I can get a job. It has to be yeah. genuine, right? So like, I currently work for my mentor. Yeah. And how I met her is I slid into her DMs and asked if I could feature her in the magazine yes. in college. Right. So I, I hadn't even graduated yet, right? So I reached out to her and interviewed her for the magazine and then kept in touch with her. She became a huge mentor to me during college. And now down the line, I literally am working for her. Exactly. And I feel like people are more willing to mentor you if they know it's not coming from a place of, please give me a job. Yeah. Everyone wants a job in media and editorial. They're really hard to get. And like, I mean, most editors don't even have the authority to just give people jobs, you know? Exactly. Um, So I think really coming at it from a place of like, also wanting to know about their career and like what you can learn from them. You know, people love to talk about themselves. So like say that all the damn time. It's so true. So true. Exactly. So how did you get to the Zoe report? So, um, after freelancing throughout college, I, long story short, I graduated with a lot of bylines under my belt, like a lot. Yeah. Um, and I went to Marie Claire as an editorial fellow and oh, amazing. I, it was great. I mean, yeah. I, it was like a dream come true, but I mean, I started like, I think the Monday after graduation and like, I kind of just, I wish I took a little bit more time to just like, you know what? That was advice that I was given by Chrissy Rutherford and <laughs> from Harper's and my, my mentor, Madison, Madison actually connected me with Chrissy. Okay. Um, and both of them told me that they wish they would have taken three months off the summer before starting. <laughs> 
their 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 job. And so I didn't mean to take three months off. I just didn't land a job. I mean, I almost got the Cosmo Fellowship. I met with Patty. Patty or Rosa? Yes. I I ended up submitting a, a my edit test to her and I had been networking with a bunch of people within Hearst and got really great feedback, but then they ended up extending the girls fellowship. So I've been there. <laughs> and I couldn't wait six months. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's so much about timing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I couldn't take time off too, because I'm like, I have this opportunity. It's probably it's not gonna be here in three months. They'll give it to someone else. It's not gonna be here in two weeks. Exactly. Exactly. So like, you know, it's just it's all about timing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went there. Um, I was like very much like working on like the news team covering news. It wasn't very beauty related, but I got like a lot of experience writing news, which, you know, is a different skill. It's writing really fast, getting it out there and like writing under pressure, which is really hard. Yeah. And there's also something to say, like when you start your job, even if you say, oh, you work at Marie Claire, when you think about it, it's like, oh my gosh, like you're working at a fashion magazine. That's so fun. When you're starting out, like you're doing the stuff that no one else wants to do. Oh, exactly. I was signing on early. I was not a hustle. Covering Meghan Markle at 8am. Oh my God. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then while I was there, um, the editorial fellowships at first are wonderful, but you also are not paid a salary. You are paid hourly and it's very low. And if you want to live in New York and support yourself, it is next to impossible. I remember Um, I met with uh, one of the HR reps and mm -hmm. she told me, and this is before I graduated, an, an informational interview. And she goes, just so you know, the editorial fellowships pay $15 an hour. Oh, yeah. Being an editorial assistant pays $34,000 and these are non-negotiable. So mm-hmm. if you don't have support by someone else financially, I don't know if this will be a good fit. And I was like, okay then. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is ridiculous. And I wish it wasn't that way. Um, and I was lucky that I did have some help from my mom like during those initial months while I was at Marie Claire. Otherwise I wouldn't have had that. And like, yeah. that is so much a luxury that a lot of people don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, so while I'm at Marie Claire, working really hard, learning a lot, working with great people, but also making no money. And like you said, I'm looking at my career path at Hearst and I'm like, okay, so say like an editorial assistant job opens up and I'm a natural fit because I'm the fellow. I'm then just moving into another job that I'm not making enough money to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always tried to go off of passion, but as you get older and if you live in New York, like that'll, that can only get you so far. Yeah. You have to be kind of realistic. Um, so I was interviewing at jobs outside of Hearst while I'm at Marie Claire, just kind of like, you know, this worked for me when I went to Stylecaster. I went to a smaller place that wasn't a glossy magazine and I was able to like really climb the ladder. So maybe I can do that again. Um, so the job at the Zoe Report opened up and it was the associate celebrity editor. And since the Zoe Report is very much like a fashion and beauty website to begin with, the celebrity coverage really is about fashion and beauty. Yeah. Um, so that's why I felt like comfortable with it. It wasn't just straight up like Meghan Markle attending a royal event. It was like, oh, what did Meghan Markle wear to the event? Or yeah. how- like wear her hair. And that was like more like what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so I moved over there from Marie Claire. Um, and I had to hire a team of writers. That was like my first job, which was kind of just thrown into it. Um, I had to hire a team of four writers. 
and train them while also kind of training myself. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was time. It takes time to adjust to a new job. Yes. It wow. was a lot of change. I had a lot of help like from the people above me and my manager was great and like really like walking me through how to do it. Like, That's good. You know, I'm young and like, Wait, how old are you? How old were you at this point? Um, I was 22. What the fuck, girl? Holy shit, that's crazy. Okay, I say this all the time, but guys, we have a literal career queen <laughs> right now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, which also added a whole other pressure to it because I was like, I am really new. I kind of like just got out of college and I felt like I had a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a lot of reminding myself, like, I got this job for a reason. I applied for it like everybody else and I deserve to be here squashing that self-doubt yes with affirmations hell yeah and it's hard to do but important to just keep reminding yourself Mm -hmm. so I hired the writers um and I was basically responsible for assigning editing and publishing nine stories every day and you in charge of one whole vertical I was in charge of the whole vertical yeah wow so a lot of work but insane editing practice like it was honestly like a crash course in editing um and I had edited like my, like you know when I was like in charge of the interns at Stylecaster and like I had a little bit of experience but not anything like this um and when you're the main person there's no one really above you no to do something you have to rely on yourself it's such an added pressure and i feel like that's something that i'm currently struggling with because i went from being a fashion assistant in the fashion closet to being the only strategist on like three to four accounts at all times working with a graphic designer and working hand in hand with clients and it's a lot of pressure to make sure that like you're doing the right thing yeah and you have you also have to trust yourself which is really hard you know, but like, yeah, when you are in that position where you are, your job requires you to be making decisions on your own. It, yeah, it's tough, but it's such a valuable skill. Like you will use that at every other job you have. Mm-hmm. So what's the coolest thing that you did at the Zoe Report? I mean, to be honest, having my own team and building a team that I picked, you know, I went through like hundreds of applications. I interviewed people I trained them. I got close with them. Like really like cultivating my own team was insane. And you really don't get that kind of experience at most jobs. So that was beyond like the best thing that happened. So now I have a question for you about the application process. How, who stood out to you and why? I think my biggest thing was having like a well-written resume. Mm -hmm. I think when you're applying to be a writer, you need to show that you know how to write on your resume. And if it's hard to read or confusing or off in that sense, it like stood out to me immediately as bad or as like a red flag. It wasn't necessarily like, of course I'm going to look for like experience, but I really just wanted someone kind of like how people took a chance on me in the beginning. Like I was willing to take chances on people who like maybe hadn't written for like super reputable places but have the clips and like had good writing skills to back it up. Um, Also our interview process, after I went through the applications, flagged them, we immediately put them into an edit test. Yeah. Um, Which was also just the best. I mean, edit tests are so hard and like a nightmare if you're taking them, but 
as someone who's reading them and hiring someone based off of it, again, it comes back to like the writing for me. Yeah. And for anyone who is not sure what an edit test is when you're applying for a position where you have to write or maybe do social media, it's basically a test, but it's for the publication. So for example, the edit test for Cosmo that I had to fill out, I had to pitch 10 ideas. I had to write a story. I had to write some captions for Instagram posts. I had to write tweets. I had to, you know, build a, build a Pinterest post and different things like that to make sure that um, you understand the POV and the voice of that publication. Exactly. They're also designed kind of to see how you work under pressure. Yeah. They're not easy. They're a lot of work. They're also timed. Um, whether it's like a few hours or you have a weekend, like you have a time limit. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it's also like, okay, what can this person do under extreme pressure? <laughs> like it's, it's kind of evil, but it's just kind of a part of well, you get to see who's prepared. And I honestly think that's the mistake that I did when I hired this girl is, you know, I know that she's a talented writer, but we didn't do an edit test that we did an edit test, but not an edit test where she had to write a story. Mm-hmm. And if she did that, I would have seen that she was not the best fit for writing in this style. Um, yeah. So they're annoying and they take so much time and it's heart wrenching when you spend a lot of time on it and you don't get the job. And but that happens all the time. It's happened to me so many times. Literally. I'm a part of it. But I will say it's such good practice. I remember my very first edit test I wrote was for town and country. It was literally my first one was that. And the last one that I wrote was for L.com. Mm-hmm. If you compare the two, you mm-hmm. would think that they came from two different people. and they were only written like a month a month away from each other because you get the hang of it you understand you know how you should format it um yeah you you really just have to learn from experience Mm -hmm. I also I took an edit test class from ed 2010 which I loved and learned a lot like while 2010 is so underrated it is it was like a two night class at night um and it went through like old like sample edit tests and kind of just like talked about what editors are looking for. I will say like, it wasn't like, it definitely just helped me go into the process with more of an understanding of what an edit test was. Yeah. That makes sense. Totally. Ed2010 is the only site where you can find fellowship opportunities at Hearst. So yeah. I remember like when I graduated, I like refresh that page every damn day. <laughs> so oh, I can yeah. apply for things. I lived on that website. I was just really? like constantly <laughs> <going> on it. <laughs> so why did you leave the Zoe report and, and go to Cosmo? It yeah. sounds like it was amazing. You know, you built your own team. You were kind of heading your own vertical. Yes. So all of that was amazing. But I also, since I was working at, you know, such a fast pace, I burnt out very quickly. Um, and I, I got to a point like a little less than a year in where I felt like I wasn't feeling like very inspired by what I was doing. Um, I loved my writers. I'd finally like gotten very comfortable with the whole, how the whole thing worked. I had my team, I had everything, but I mean, doing not like publishing nine stories a day is a little bit exhausting. Um, also just like finding nine stories that were worth writing every day is a whole other conversation. No, because Um, literally like I remember spending an entire day trying to find like 
scouting fashionista.com yeah. and hype bay and like trying to find what's new newsworthy and what will fit for yeah. the publication and it's hard because a lot of people already cover something and then you need to find a different angle and you got to be the first one to do it exactly and like recreating that so many times a day is tough yeah. And like, you know, I had a lot of days where I would be like on Getty images, looking at paparazzi photos, zooming into shoes to see like what shoes Gigi Hadid was wearing. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't feel super fulfilled doing this, you know? Looking um, back now, what, what would you have maybe changed in your, in your day to day to have perhaps prevented this burnout? I think I needed to be at a job where I was writing versus just straight editing. Yeah. Um, I Like I said, I learned so much, but I love writing. That's like the main part of this job that I love. That's why I got into it. And I never had the time to do it. Um, the Zara Report was very open to me writing. It wasn't like a, you can't write for us, you need to edit. It was more so just like, I didn't have like the, the, the ability. The bandwidth. To, yes, the bandwidth. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't have the bandwidth to do it. Um, so I think, but that's important though, because I feel like some people may go into a job and they're like, I hate it here. Like I, this is not my pat. Well, maybe not hate it, but this is not my real passion, but you, you can't not take that as a positive because now you want, now you know what you don't want to do, which will push you into the direction of what you do want to do, which seems exactly. like, yeah, it seems like that happened. Yes. So while all of this is happening, Cosmo, I'm watching closely because Chloe, my mentor, has since gotten a job there. Oh. And they have also merged. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cosmo, most magazines until recently were completely separate with print and digital. Um, the teams were completely separate. You usually didn't even really know your like print counterpart. You didn't communicate. <laughs> crazy because yeah. I remember I was connected with someone, someone who worked at Glamour connected me with someone at L. And yeah. at the time I had applied for um, an L fellowship, but I was connected with someone who worked on the print side. Right. And, when I, and when I met her in person, she was like, oh yeah, we work in a totally different building. Yeah. And, and, then L.com. and I was like, I was like, oh, so you don't know this person who I submitted my edit test to? Oh, bummer. <laughs> also confuses me because like, if you're one voice, if you're one brand, how are you not already immediately aligned on both of your platforms? Um, yeah, I, it didn't really make sense to me. But Cosmo was one of first brands that merged, which meant instead of being a digital beauty editor or print beauty editor, you just became beauty editor and you work 50-50 on each. And I was really into it. Yeah. Like they rebranded the site, the the magazine was starting to look a little different. Um, so I knew I wanted to be there. Like I just was like, one day I need to work at Cosmo. I was like, I want to work with Chloe again. I just like, this is like my dream. And they put out a job for a beauty editor. And it was like, a mid-level editor position. So did you apply online? Did you reach out, reach out to Chloe and tell her that you applied? So both. I immediately applied online. They like post all of their job, like first post all of their jobs on like their portal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I told Chloe I applied for it, which also it's like, it's helpful absolutely to have, you know, a mentor connection at the place that you want to work. But you also have to be realistic and know like, I didn't want to put Chloe in a position where I was like, Hey, like 
advocate for me or like, hey, like, tell me what's going on with the job. Like, you do have to be very professional in that, like, I didn't want to overstep anything. Yes. Um, so like, and honestly, that's actually something that this girl who, who I brought on, it's another mistake that she made. And I just want to bring it up because it seems like you handled yourself in a very professional way. Whereas, you know, we've had a a crazy few weeks. So after this girl submitted her edit test, she's like, she kept on texting me being like, am I going to get an interview? Like, what's the deal? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this girl needs to stop. I always tell people like, if people don't don't answer you right away, follow up with another email in two weeks, right? People right. are busy. And so that just struck me as kind of inappropriate. So I'm glad to hear that you went about it, even though she was your mentor mm-hmm. and, and a friend too, right? Absolutely. She was there for you. And I'm close with her, which is even more of a reason to like keep it professional and just make sure like no boundaries are crossed. Yeah. And you know, anything that she wanted to share with me about the job or anything she wanted to tell me, obviously I was all ears, but I did not ask her for updates. I didn't ask her what she thought of my edit test. I didn't do anything like that because I, I wanted it to just be very professional and even. Um, speaking of the edit test, <laughs> it was the most difficult test I've ever really? seen. Wow. What was so difficult about it? I think there were 13 sections. Oh my God. Um, And it was just, it was just massive. And a lot of pitching and big ideas, critiquing, Mm -hmm. editing, right? Like there was honestly just a bit of... Well, you know what? When you're applying for not just a fellowship anymore, this is an editor position, you probably had to write. And then you also, there was probably a story that you had to go in and make edits to as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, That was the same with my edit test for the Zoe report. Mm. The main portion of it was just editing a story and like leaving notes. Like it was like, I was pretending it was like one of my writers. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I, full disclosure, I think I cried while I was doing the Cosmo edit Oh my God. <laughs> like I think it's had a weekend. I think they send it to me on a Friday and I had to send it back by Monday. And that weekend was just... <laughs> Listen, you're allowed to cry, right? Yeah. But then you snap out of it and you're like, okay, I'm getting this done now. Like yeah, you went to the zone, you put on your song yep. and bam, you bang it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so needless <laughs> to say, after I turned in the test, I wasn't like, I got this job. Like it's a shoe in. I by no means thought that I kind of was taking it as like, okay, this is my dream job. I will be really sad if I don't get it, but I'm, this is like confirming that I do want to leave this job I'm currently at. Mm-hmm. And I'm not on the swing of applying. I'm not like on my like application game right now. So like, this will be like my intro back in and it's practice. Yeah. That's like what I try to tell all my friends who go for job interviews. Like it's practice. And we think of it like that, it just like takes off some of the pressure. Yeah. Um, so after the edit test, I went in for an interview. Um, when you got that email, were you, did you like scream? Oh yeah. I was like sweating <laughs> <laughs> and I had, um, an interview with Lauren Balsamo. So she was like Chloe's, um, print counterpart, if that makes sense. And then they mm-hmm. kind of all merged together and became yeah. like, to people like, I don't know. It's yeah. There was a um, lot of moving hands, especially because yeah. working on print and web website simultaneously is a challenge. Um, yes. we'll, but we'll get into that, into the whole workflow. I'm yeah. so curious about how your interview went. Um, yeah, I, I 
have never been more nervous. Um, I was kind of hoping that Chloe would also be in the interview, but because she knew me, she wasn't. Mm-hmm. She was like, I already know you. I also like, I already know how I feel about you as like an applicant and like Lauren doesn't know you and she doesn't know. So um, while, all, because the reason they were doing this process is because Carly, the beauty director was on maternity leave. Yeah. So, like they had just merged, just got the okay to fill this role and then Carly went on maternity leave like they had so many changes all at once so after so the interview was just I mean I think I like blacked out I don't even remember what she asked me (laughs) um like did you feel like you got the job after your interview I felt like I vibed with her for sure but I still I don't know. I've been burnt a couple times. So I, I really, I you were like protecting your heart a little. Exactly. Very much protecting myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they were going through so many crazy shifts at Cosmo, um, the, the application process ended up being like three months. So like between me applying, edit test, interview, like multiple months went by. Did you think you were getting ghosted or did they keep you in the loop? So my strategy was to email. So since by now I'm following up with Lauren rather than like Chloe or HR, like I have Lauren who I interviewed with, like she's now my contact for the job. Mm -hmm. I emailed her like every two weeks. Yeah. And it's such an awkward thing to do, but I was just very simple in each email. Like, hi Lauren, hope you're doing well. Just following up, seeing if there are any updates. Thanks. Um, And her response always was like, we're still in the process. We'll let you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of was starting to think like, maybe they're not going to put anyone in the role. Like, I mean, I know enough people in the industry that like, if they had hired someone else, I probably would know who that person is. Like I would have like heard about it. And it would have been on LinkedIn, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, um, yeah, I just kept following up waiting And then I randomly get an email from Hearst HR and the subject line was call today. Great news. Exclamation point. When when did you get that email? Were you in the Zoe reports office? Yes, I was at work and I was just like, you're kidding me. Like in like internally screaming. Yes. (laughs) So I like responded. I was like, I can talk right now. Like tell me when you're available. And of course, like she had like a billion things going on, didn't respond for a few hours and like, um, so I like took the call. I like went into like a little conference room. I was just like, I, I'm sorry, but I need to do this. <laughs> um, got the offer. Um, I honestly, like I gave my notice the next day and accepted it. I just knew exactly that this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted to do. It's always awkward to leave a job. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like it's kind of just the nature of this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I started two weeks later. <laughs> what was your first day like? So Carly was back by the time that I got the job. So basically like while all that waiting was happening, Carly had come back and wanted to be more involved with the process, obviously, because she's the director and it's her team. So she then kind of wanted to like go through the applicants and make sure she was aligned with everything that they had done while she was out. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was back by the time I got there. It definitely was like a little intimidating. A lot intimidating, honestly. Yeah. Going well, into- she's a rock star. Like she, she's a total pro, a beauty pro in the industry. Like she's been there for a long time. She knows her shit. Yeah. And I had met her a couple of times. Like we had spoken on the phone. 
Um, but she is like one of the nicest people I've ever met in this industry. Like she's just, she's really funny, really smart. Just she's wonderful. Um, but yeah, it was still intimidating. And also just joining a team that kind of already felt a little bit established and just kind of like navigating my, yeah. my space there. Mm-hmm. So what are your day-to-day responsibilities now that you are finally there? Let's talk about pre-COVID and then now during this weird work. Yeah. So I will say pre and post or whatever we're currently in, my responsibilities are the same. Got it. Um, I am fully 50-50 print and digital. Um, so on the digital side, I write five stories a week. I edit five stories a week. Um, I run our, we have an acne newsletter. Um, mm-hmm. so I run that, edit that. Um, and then on the print side, I am usually responsible for like two to three stories per issue. And oh, we wow. three months ahead. So we're kind of like very much in like two different time frames. Like, you know, my print stuff is like, this is going live tomorrow. It's now. And then right now I'm working on a story for March for print. So it's kind of like having two different brains and like knowing like when to use which one. Yeah. So let's talk about print for a second. What is that workflow like? And then where do you come into play? Like, are you sitting in on pitch meetings where you pitch your idea? I start by sending usually like five ideas per issue to Lauren. And then she then kind of collects everybody's ideas and forms like a pitch document. Mm. Um, And pre-COVID, we would then present that lineup to Jess, the editor-in-chief, also the deputy editor, um, sometimes the creative director, like kind of like a high-level meeting with all of the important people. (laughs) And we have to basically like tell Jess what we're thinking and why. Yeah. Um, Do you ever get nervous? Like, what was the first time you had to actually speak up in one of those? I mean, I've done a lot of them now. To this day, we're all nervous. It is very nerve wracking. Um, You you like practice or how? Oh, sorry. We practice. (laughs) We fully practice. And like, I'm lucky that like the people on my team, we all very much have like that same brain, like where we're perfectionists and we really want it to be perfect. Like, Mm -hmm. no one is rolling up to that meeting like, oh, this is whatever, it'll be fine. It is very much like we spend like weeks getting ready for it. I mean, my first first meeting, I had two stories on the doc that we wanted to share. And I was like to Lauren, I was like, you're going to like say them out loud, right? And she was like, no, they're your stories. Like you have to pitch it to her. And I was like having a nervous breakdown about it. I couldn't handle it. Um, How did it end up going? I, it ended up being great and I remember it very well. And she approved both of them, which I think was just luck, like honestly. (laughs) And another moment where I kind of blacked out, don't super remember what I said, but it was kind of like one of those things where like, once I just started talking, I realized it was much easier than I was making it out to be. Yeah. Also like there's nothing happens if she doesn't like your idea, you move on. Mm-hmm. And that happens all the time. It happens with my ideas. It happens with Lauren's ideas. Like it kind of is just the nature of it. Yep. I think that's important to go in. And she also will sometimes like listen to a pitch and be like, I like it, but what if we tweak it to that? So you kind of have to be thinking on your feet the whole meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're all a little bit stressed while it's happening. 
Now, um, when you go into those meetings, do you take a notebook and have a pen and like you're jotting things down when yeah. she is? We usually like bring our computers. Um, sorry, there's like major traffic outside my window. <laughs> um, we all bring our laptops. By the time we get out, we're like, okay, wait, let's all meet again and talk about exactly what was approved and like have this finalized. Um, and now with COVID, we do that meeting over Zoom, mm-hmm. which is very different. Um, I think in person, we're a bit more able to like read the room and read yeah. the feedback like physically versus on Zoom, it's a lot harder. And it's, it can be kind of awkward. You know, there's lags, like there's internet issues, like it, yeah. it's not very seamless but it still works. We still come out of it with a lineup, which is like the most important part. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. So for web, on the other hand, you don't have to go through as uh, intense of a process to get ideas approved, right? No. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a pitch process. I still have to send my pitches to Chloe, who's kind of like the digital lead, and Julie, who's the director. And then they kind of will like email me back feedback and like we'll kind of like narrow down my pitches from there. But since with digital, we're, we put out way more content and it's constant. Mm-hmm. We're able to experiment a little bit more versus with print. It's like, okay, why is this so important that we're about to put it in the magazine? Yeah. And are you sure we've never done it before? You know, what's the most challenging part of your job? You know, you're so young, you have so many responsibilities. Do you remember we were working on our December, January issue last year. And I was responsible for the beauty feature, which is at the back. And it's usually like four, like four-ish pages. It's a spread. Wow. Um, it's really beautiful. And um, yeah, it's like a really important like moment in the magazine. And like we were kind of talking about earlier, the nature of print is that, so from the time I have a story approved, and by the time it's actually sent to the printer, it's usually two very different stories. Yeah. And that's just how it goes. And I think when I was new, and since it was my first print job, I wasn't okay with that. <laughs> and I, I, like, it made me emotional. And I remember, like, this one story in particular, like, we just kept having setbacks. It kept changing. And I think I cried, like, at the office, full-blown, just, like, frustrated cry. Did you go into the bathroom? Did you cry at your desk? A couple of people saw it. And then I went to the bathroom and got (laughs) myself together. But I was just like, it was kind of like a combination of like, I was just like so frustrated. I know. And I don't, like, I don't think it was a big deal that I did that. I'm not like super mad at myself. No one really cared. But I think I wish I just didn't take it so personally. Mm -hmm. And like, I could have just looked at it like, you know what? This is how print works. This is how it goes. Just do what you need to do and move on. Versus like fixating on this thing that like everyone just at the end of the day wants to get done and wants to move on to the next fire because there's a million. Well, first of all, I just want to say I have definitely had my fair share of, you know, crying and then going to the bathroom. And realizing that there were too many people in the bathroom, then saying that I was leaving for lunch, even though I technically wasn't supposed to. And then I literally went across the street into a Gap. Who the hell shops at Gap, right? And I went and then I cried in a Gap dressing room. (laughs) But anyway. I think that is the the hardest part. Like being able to like multitask constantly. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm at a job where I am kind of doing two different jobs at once 
just being able to like prioritize. Yeah. Which is something I've not always been good at. My strategy lately is like, you know, if I have a digital thing and someone says it's urgent, but I also have a print thing and someone says that's urgent, I have to say to them, I have a lot going on. Please tell me which thing you need me to prioritize immediately. And I'll get to the other thing right after. Like being able to like just communicate that to like your managers or your editors because they understand like I am one person and I think just being able to like remind myself that like I'm human and like sometimes I can't turn everything in at once. Yeah. So what is the coolest part of your job or like the coolest event that you've gone to? Oh gosh. I'm sure there's a lot. Um, I mean, pre COVID the biggest perk with beauty editorial is a press trip. Um, so when a brand has like a new innovation or a new launch and they somehow turn it into a trip. Amazing. (laughs) So like I've gone to LA before, um, I've done some things in Chicago. Um, it's just really, really a big luxury of the job for sure. And so I'm sure, so there's editors that come and then there's also influencers that come. Yes. And that has shifted a little bit too. I know that some publicists and brands now do an editor trip and then Ah, an influencer trip because it is kind of different. And I've asked them why. And usually a editor wants to know the science behind a moisturizer and an influencer. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but it is more of like a social play. Like how can I make my my followers like this? How can I like make it look a certain way? Different jobs. Exactly. It's two different jobs. So I think like brands that are able to are now catering to who they're talking to, which I think is great. Huh? Super interesting. And also the the perks of getting free products. I mean, my team at the post was so small. So we were a beauty closet and a fashion closet all in one. Ooh. It is such a perk though, I will say. Like I am not jaded by the fact that I get a lot of free shit and that's awesome. Well, it's but, crazy because like I rem- I haven't had to buy makeup or products in eight months. And then finally, when I left the post, I went to Sephora and I forgot how much, how expensive. That's so expensive. <laughs> I forgot. Really? I was like $60 for a moisturizer. What the heck? I know. I know. It's such a perk. And I'm so used to it at this point. We're like, yeah, I went into Sephora and I was buying things. I mean, yeah, I would just use drugstore, which like I honestly use a lot of anyway, if I'm being real. Okay, wait, we're going to get into that with the (laughs) rapid fire questions. But before we get into that final question, what are your future career goals? So I've actually been thinking about this a lot. Um, And I'm kind of at a point in my career where I could go a lot of different directions, which makes me excited. You know, I very much would love to be a beauty director of a magazine or a website, but I could also see myself like going into some branded work. I kind of feel like, especially in beauty, you do have a bit more opportunity to kind of like play with that idea. So I'm kind of open, which like for the first time in my life, you know, I'm usually very much like, this is exactly what I want to do. This is where I want to work. And right now I'm kind of just trying to like be as open as I can to new opportunities. I love that because I feel like your career journey, although you moved up very quickly, it, it yeah. was pretty linear, honestly. Yeah. And like is, when yeah. I graduated college, you know, I studied magazine journalism. I did the editor in chief thing at college. I was like, oh, I'm obviously going to work at a magazine and go up to become a fashion editor. Right. And 
now I work in social media strategy. So you have to be open to pivot and it's, and it's scary. Like when I decided that I was going to leave the post and now work for like a startup creative agency, I was like, am I really going to do like, yeah, it's interesting because I feel like now I'm totally gaining a different skill set. Yeah. And also seeing the skills that transfer over from my like previous experience at the post Mm -hmm. to my job now, I have such a different perspective on how social media works or even with this blog, for example, that we're launching for for a fashion line. I'm the only one with like a real journalism background. So Mm -hmm. it made sense that, you know, I was on this account and I'm helping them. It's super interesting to think about where we're going to be in the future. I know. And I've watched so many editors kind of like shift gears and do different things. And, you know, some of them end up going back to magazines or going back to websites. Like just because you leave or whatever, you can go back. Like no one is saying this is like it, you know? And I think maybe 10 years ago it was a bit more like, oh, if you leave, you're done. Like yeah. you're done with magazines where mm-hmm. now like people move around all the time. Well, it's just so different because 10 years ago, social media didn't even exist, right? Right. So it's crazy. What I honestly think is going to happen is I've been connecting with and I've just formed like great friendships with other girls who are in the fashion industry. And I think about five years from now, a lot of us are going to come together and we're going to create like the new revolutionary brand, like how Glossier totally disrupted the beauty industry, right? So Glossier's product, yeah. <laughs> literally, girl, <laughs> right? But Glossier's product isn't revolutionary. Their branding was revolutionary. I have some with me right now. <laughs> and guess who founded it? Yeah. Fucking beauty editors. Okay. Yeah. They know what the people want. I really think that's what's going to happen. But me too. But in the meantime, right? We're still yes. hustling. We're still yes. like learning and and everything. Um, okay, guys, we're going to do a girl gaze game right now, which is just rapid fire questions. So here we go. Number one, coolest celebrity you've interviewed? Selena Gomez. Number two, favorite part about the Cosmo office? The beauty closet, definitely. <laughs> Number three, biggest misconception about working in beauty? Um, I've said it once and I'll say it again, that it's this very glamorous job and it not always is. Number four, your favorite skincare product at the moment? CeraVe face wash, if I'm being real. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, favorite makeup brand? Kevin Aquan. Mm, oh, I've never heard of them. So um, good. Best foundation you'll ever try. Oh, I have to try. Number six, if you could only live with one makeup product for the rest of your life, what would it be? Laura Mercier makes this sparkly, creamy eyeshadow stick. And I literally am obsessed with it. And I will never stop wearing it. (laughs) I love that. Especially now, I feel like you can't, your answer can't be lipstick or lip balm. I know, I know. But you got to focus on the eyes. And we always love a glossy brows. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Number seven, favorite beauty trend at the moment. I'm really into the streaky face framing highlights right now. I really want to try them. And I just wrote about the Cosmo. So go read it. (laughs) But number eight, least favorite trend. Oof. I'm super not into um, like the soap brows that I've seen all over TikTok. I think they're pretty in a photo, but I'm not into the super like feathered look. 
Yeah, neither am I. And like, I have very thick eyebrows, but I make sure that they're like tamed with that Glossier boy brow. (laughs) (laughs) Number nine, what are your thoughts on curtain bangs? Do we love them or hate them? I love them. And I'm currently in like an Instagram DM war with me and another fellow editor both really want them. And another editor says we absolutely should not get them. But I'm about to just get them, I think. (laughs) Let's do it. I heard that it's a lot of upkeep. Like you actually have to style your hair every day. That's what she was saying. She was like, you will hate your life. And I'm like, but. But it'll look pretty. (laughs) Okay. Number 10, current book or podcast obsession. Oh, I just started this podcast called Dunzo. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. What is it about? It is um, about celebrity relationship drama and it's very niche, but it is so good. And it's hilarious. Highly recommend it. I feel like that's a good uh, thing to listen to when you're doing work and you don't necessarily have to pay attention, but it's like, it's almost like having Real Housewives on the TV. If you couldn't tell, I'm binge watching Real Housewives. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Which leads me to the final rapid fire question. What show are you currently binge watching? So I just finished last night, The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Did you watch it? Oh my God, I heard, yes. With, um, what's, what's her name? Emma, uh, from the movie Emma. I don't know her real yeah, name. Yeah, her name, Emma. <laughs> she, yeah, she was a cover star for one of Alexa's issues. So I worked at the New York Post, but for Alexa, which is like, mm-hmm. I like to call the Vogue insert within the New York Post. So we basically right. operated like a fashion magazine. And so she right. was one of our cover stars all the way in London. And oh. we literally had to send all of these clothes to London. And then two of our editors went, it was... <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Oh, it came out beautiful. We had like a probable garung. I'm probably saying that incorrectly. Amazing feather, like pink, yellow, whatever. And she's stunning. She's so so pretty. We had like the most avant-garde outfits on her and, and it went really well. So now I feel like I have a responsibility to watch that show because I like have, I didn't meet her. Yeah. Like I kind of have a connection to her. I will say I couldn't have been more uninterested in the show at first. Like I kept showing up on my Netflix and I'm like, I'm not going to watch a show about chess. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, literally. And then my friend was like, no, you have to watch it. I I think I watched the whole thing in two days. It is it's beautiful too. It's set in the 60s and like the makeup is so cool. And it's just, it's a great story. Highly recommend. I feel like that's the other thing when you work in fashion or beauty is you pay so much more attention to all of that in TV shows. Like even the politician, that fashion was incredible. Like that one girl who showed up in power suits, like total freaking Gucci vibes with the oversized glasses. (laughs) And now I feel like since I've been so immersed in the fashion industry, as you probably have with the beauty industry, like, you know, what's inspired by what, especially when you see it on your Instagram feed. And that's cool. Yeah. You just have a different perspective. Like when you look at media of any kind now. Totally. Ruby, this has been so amazing. I'm like obsessed with you. I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad that we connected, even though it's virtual. But we, where do you live in, in the city? I just moved to Williamsburg. Oh, you're in Williamsburg? Where are you? I'm on the Upper East Side, so we're a little far. But little we far. have to get together one day, maybe. I would love that. Yes. We'll have to grab dinner and drinks in person. Um Oh my god! I'm so happy that we did this. On, I have to. Of course, wait. We have we have one more little thing. Yeah. So just the outro gaze goal of the week, which is yes. just a realistic self care goal. It can be beauty related. It can be anything related. Go ahead. 
I think my goal kind of comes back to my reflection um, and that I just want to like listen to what my body needs a little bit more. Like if I need an extra half hour of sleep, I want to take it. You know, if I need to like get up in the middle of the day and go for a walk, I need to do that. So I think just like tuning in a bit more to like what I need. I love that. And I think that also should be my, my gaze goal. But I think a very small gaze goal is that I have a lot of sheet masks, like face masks. I feel like now when I say face masks, people don't expect me to talk about skincare. They I know. It's so weird. I know. Especially for SEO. It's like if I write face masks, then that's going to pop up with articles that are not related to skincare. But yes. anyway, I, I just like, I need to spend it one night having like looking like a white like monster and <laughs> just relax right yeah. have a glass of wine light a candle watch some watch that means gambit exactly no <laughs> i need i need a night like that so i think oh, that's gonna be it. my hair goal yeah good Thank you all for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it just as much as I did, feel free to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot while you're at it and share it on your Instagram stories. Make sure you tag me. I appreciate and love you all. I'll talk to you queen soon. Bye.